This episode is brought to you by Fortis et Fidelis, honoring the brave and faithful service of our fallen. The free will never forget. What's going on, everyone? The very first annual Veteran Podcast Awards is almost here. And our show, The Brave and Faithful, has been nominated for three categories. The top education, the top Navy podcaster, and the Veteran Podcast of the Year. So go to veteranpodcastawards.com slash vote and vote for the Brave and Faithful podcast for each category. Voting starts August 4th and closes September 18th. So again, please support our podcast, The Brave and Faithful, and vote for us on veteranpodcastawards.com slash vote. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Brave and Faithful Podcast. I'm your host, Raiden Denicio, and today I have a Navy veteran. He is also a podcaster, podcaster of God, Country, and Coffee Podcasts, and he's also got a, his own coffee company, the Third Day Coffee Seguin. I have none other than Jose Alanis. What's going on, Jose? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you for taking the time, man. Um, so I said, uh, I mentioned you're a Navy veteran. Uh, reading your website a little bit, you also serve in the Texas State Guard. Can you just talk a little bit about your service, uh, what you did, and how long you served for? Sure. So uh, I grew up in San Antonio, and uh, my dad was a counterintelligence uh, crypto tech in the Air Force uh, back in the 50s, uh, from 55 to 59. And then my, my his youngest brother, my other uncle, he was a crypto tech in the Air Force, followed my dad's footsteps, I guess. Okay. Uh, and he was in during Vietnam. And uh, uh, to, to this day, he, he won't talk. He, all I know is that he served in Laos uh, for several years. And so, you know, anybody who reads history knows what that was all about. But um, those two guys inspired me. I mean, I wanted to be like them. And so uh, I, I was all set up to join the Air Force. Uh, um, and when I graduated in 1989 uh, from Central Catholic Marianist High School in San Antonio, uh, the Air Force had a freeze on recruiting. And so uh, my recruiter said, well, just, you know, I had already done the delayed entry thing. And they're like, just keep coming every Friday and check in with us. And then as soon as they figure this out, then we'll get you in. And so I kept going. And this one Friday, I went up there and it was like the lights were out. And at that time in San Antonio, all the branches were in one building. All the recruiting, uh, the recruiters were in one building. And so uh, I turned around, you know, and there's this Navy guy sitting in the old crusty dude sitting in the doorway, smoking a cigarette inside the building. You know, you know, we offer everything the Air Force does. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm out of a job. I'm out of money. So uh, let's do this. And, uh, and you know, then, and then he tried to put me in as a cook. And then and then uh, and then he tried to put me in as a, to go in as a, a striker, you know, undesignated. And uh, I'm like, no. I'm not going in undesignated. I want an A school and I want it in electronics of some sort. Otherwise, you know, I'm just going to wait till the Air Force figures it out. And so um, I ended up going IC 
and uh, interior okay. communications. And, uh, and I did that. I did that. I was in for four years and, and uh, nine months. I extended when my ex-wife got pregnant uh, with my son. I extended nine months. Um, and, um, and then that was it. I mean, I, I wanted to stay in, but at the time, it's very, you know, like I, I know today you have some kind of at least choices that you can submit, you know, for your duty stations. At that time, I had to deal with one detailer. Uh, and and they, the, the program that I got put in is called TAR, Training Administration Reservists. And we had one detailer for all the entire TAR program. And, uh, and he was not a happy person. <laughs> and so he was like, you're going to go back to California to shit to, to a sea duty uh, or, or you can just get out. And I was like, well, no, man, I'm, I'm already up for, you know, shore duty. And there's a billet here. He goes, yeah, but I'm saving that for somebody. And I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay. See ya. And so I got out and, uh, and uh, you know, it was a regret. Of course, like hindsight's always 2020. And so uh, it, ironically, I had no idea when I got out, I got out in uh, 95 wow. and, um, and I got divorced uh, in 99, but four years later I was divorced. And then, um, and then I think four years after that, I remarried, um, in 2004, four or five years. And, you know, when I married my second wife, you know, she, I would, every two years I would change jobs. And she was like, why do you, why don't you just sit still? Why don't you just stay somewhere? And, uh, and I still, it wasn't until probably about a year ago that somebody was talking to me and they were talking, you know, asking me about like why I moved around so much. And, and we, you know, he finally figured it out. He's like, man, you know, you realize you had, you were having trouble transitioning out of the service. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I, I was fine. You know? And he's like, no, man. I mean, like the military programs, your brain a certain way. And so you think that way you, you know, you use the military logic and, and, um, and, and, and when I look back at it, you know, he was hundred percent accurate. I, I kept bouncing around cause I was looking for that, that missing, you know, cog to the machine it was gone and uh and so i that's when i realized like man i can't believe i spent you know 10 years of my life wandering uh looking for you know what i had what, what i had in the service and then in 2010 i've i um i i had a friend of mine that they were hiring and he's like man it's a government job and they're you know it's going to be they're really going to scrutinize your background and whatnot and i'm like I, I don't care i don't have anything to hide you know i had a clearance when i was in the military and you know, I've never been arrested and, I, you know, I've never been in trouble. And so I got a clean record. And so anyway, it turned out uh, being a, we were DOD contractors for the NSA. And so I did that for 10 years. And, uh, and then in uh, just this last year, uh, two weeks after my 50th birthday, I, uh, I walked away from that lucrative, ridiculously paying job uh, to, to do coffee. <laughs> Were you in San Antonio the whole time? You know, when you mentioned that you'd been kind of bouncing around as far as jobs and things like that, were you in San Antonio or in Texas in general? Or yeah, so you know, I left I left Texas to go. I went I went to boot camp in San Diego, uh, and then I got my first ship there for two years, and then we decommissioned it, uh, and then uh, and then I got transferred to Norfolk to the USS Truett. FF-1055, um, one of the last of the destroyer escort class. They changed them to fast frigates, but it was the original destroyer escort class. 
Um, and then we, we took that ship down to Ingleside, Texas, uh, which was a, a new port. We were actually the, the ship that commissioned the base. Mm. And, um, and so I got back home to Texas and I stayed in Texas the whole time I was in, I was, I stayed down in by the Corpus area, uh, you know, when I was married to Mike's wife and then we moved back to San Antonio and pretty much stayed there the whole time. I've never really, aside from, you know, uh, training and stuff like that in other States, uh, everything has always been right here in San Antonio. And so it was, you know, I mean, I was home, but it's like, I, I just couldn't get my feet on the ground. You know, I just kept like, I didn't fit in anywhere I went. And so, um, it was, uh, it was just, just bizarre. I mean, I, I never really thought about the fact that, that I had trouble transitioning, but, but that's pretty much exactly what it was, you know? And then you went into, you mentioned, um, a government job, right? You did that for 10 years. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. You, so you did that so, for 10 years, like, and then right before, right, right recently, right. You did the whole, the whole coffee company. What made you, uh, you know, going from that job for 10 years, a government job, like what led to creating this coffee brand, this coffee company? So the, the, the job at first was, well, the job to the very last day was pretty awesome. Uh, I, I was hired by two full bird army combat veteran colonels and, uh, and uh, the, our VP in, in Maryland actually was our president of operations and San Antonio superior officer when they were active duty. And so I really fit in, you know, and uh, that's why they hired me. You know, I told them, I said, well, I said, I'm looking for, you know, purpose and, and I need a clear ladder if I'm going to climb it, you know, and I, I need, you know, parameters, I need structure, right, right. something that I haven't had in the last 10 years, you know, everything the military gives you. And, um, and so it, while I was there, you know, it, it wasn't just our company, our company was awesome. Our company was a private owned company called corporate office properties trust. We were contractors for the NSA. We owned the facility. We leased it to them. And, um, and so the, the company was awesome, but as well as, you know, and anybody else who's ever served in the military or any other, you know, civilian branch of federal government knows that there's a lot of nonsense that goes on, uh, you know, as far as just the day-to-day, -day. it seems like everybody's trying to use somebody for a stepping stool. And, and so there was a lot of, you know, it just, it became a really rough environment for me personally, because uh, in, in 2016, I surrendered my life to Christ. But there was a lot of stuff going on before that that sort of led up to that. And so I was already feeling uncomfortable in the environment, you know, because it was a typical like, I mean, it might as well have been a shipboard, you know, like the language, the, you know, the morality goes down when you have to see <laughs> the whole bit, right? And so, and I'm not saying everybody's like that, but as a, you know, it's easy to fall into that uh, when you're around, you know, out to sea or, or in that environment. And so I didn't need the, I didn't need the temptation. You know, I was really trying my best to change my life. Um, I struggled for so long and I was finally starting to crawl out of that. And well, I wasn't crawling out of nothing. God was kind of pulling me out of it and I was fighting him. Um, but I realized, you know, in that time frame, my daughter uh, had met some guy when she was a sophomore in high school playing Xbox 360 Live. And when she, after her first semester in college, he sent her a visa and 
and a plane ticket to New Zealand. And mm. so she ended up in New Zealand. Uh, and then, uh, and my grandson was born in 2014. And that's kind of what the coffee business started. So we, we went to go, uh, you know, I was working my DOD job, making crazy money. My boss is like, dude, take a month off. You, I know I've seen your LES. You got plenty of time. You know, you got, you got plenty of overtime coming up. Just take mama and go spend a month. Cause if not, your wife's not going to, not ever going to forgive you for it. And so that's what we did, man. We took a month off and we went to New Zealand. And while we were there, Australia has always been on my bucket list. And so one weekend we went to Australia and we were going downtown where you take that iconic picture in front of the, um, the uh, opera house in Sydney. And we're walking down there and I'm, you know, I, I grew up like most people did. My dad is an old farm boy and they grew up using a percolator on an open fire, literally out in the sticks. And then of course, growing up, dad always had a percolator. And so that's all I knew about coffee. And then, and then years later, my mom bought him a, a Mr. Coffee or something, automatic drip, right? And so, uh, you know, I would go have coffee when I moved back to San Antonio with dad before I go to work every day. And, and it was, that's all I knew. And then like, if I was running late, I'd go to Valero to the gas station and get coffee at the gas station. And, and that's what most Americans do, you know, until that, and I'm not going to say their, their name, but that big national chain, you know, with the weird mermaid, um, I won't give them credit for anything, but they, uh, you know, that's all people know for coffee. And so we were in Australia and we're walking down to the, to the opera house and this guy's opening up this shack. It's like six pieces of plywood that are like put together with hinges. I mean, it was ratty. And uh, the guy opens the door and he's like selling coffee. And I'm like, well, hey, it can't be any worse than gas station coffee, right? And so uh, uh, actually, I'll tell you what, let me back up one second. When we went to New Zealand, I was so excited because I'd read all these things about how the coffee is so much better overseas. So we get to my daughter's house and the next morning I'm all excited. I'm waiting to see what kind of coffee they got, right? Because it's supposed to be so much better than what we have. Well, they, they, they drink instant. At least my, my daughter and my son-in-law, they drink instant coffee. And I was like, what is this? You know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. we went to Australia and this guy opens up and I'm like, well, hey, give me a cup of coffee. I mean, you know, I got nothing to lose. And uh, I started drinking his coffee and I said, I stopped and I started walking back and my wife's like, where are you going? I said, I need to go talk to this guy. So this is like the best cup of coffee I've ever had. Uh, and, and at that particular point in time, it really was the best, the best cup of coffee that I'd ever had. And so I asked him, I said, man, what, what do you do to the coffee? And he looked at me like I was crazy, you know? And uh, I said, man, I said, this is the best cup of coffee I've ever had. He says, well, I don't know. I mean, we, they, there's nine roasters in Sydney and I buy my coffee. They all, excuse me, they all roast on Wednesdays. I buy my coffee on Thursday and I don't grind it until you order it. And so mm. it's fresh and I only buy enough for the week. I don't buy, I don't keep coffee on the shelf, you know? And so we went back to New Zealand and we started venturing out from the kid's house and we started finding these little coffee dives and it was all the same. I mean, the coffee was phenomenal. And so I came home and I tried to replicate that and uh, I didn't know how to do it. Lady from church gave me this electric eye roast, uh, four ounce coffee roaster that you, that you use on the counter, told me where to buy the raw beans. And, um, and so that's kind of how I started getting, you know, trying to do my own coffee. I still wasn't happy with it. Uh, and then we, my dad passed away in 2016 and in 2017, my whole family, we all went to Italy and Greece 
because my dad took thousands of pictures there when he was uh, in the military in the 50s. And so my mom wanted to go see those places that my dad photographed. And so after that, we went three weeks. We were two weeks in Italy and a week in Greece. And after that, I was so passionate about all things coffee. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what I was going to do. All I knew is that when I got home, I was going to do coffee. And, and, and it wasn't even an idea of doing a job yet. It was just like, I'm going to make good coffee. Somehow I'm going to make good coffee. So all this yeah. kind of just came from that trip in, in New Zealand. And that's what the kind of idea you didn't think about it as a business. You were just thinking about like, kind of like as a hobby, right? like good coffee. I wanted right. to drink good coffee. Okay. Yeah. And so, and so, and so you know, when you started thinking about that, you know, you want to make good coffee. When did the idea of just turning it into a business come about? Like, what was that? Where's that transition? So I started out uh, trying to get a roast profile that I like. And I, I, I cook with mesquite a lot. A lot of people in Texas cook with mesquite. And I was out making steaks one day and I was like, man, I bet you the coffee would, I wonder what it would taste like if I roasted it with mesquite. And so that's kind of what kind of got me started on the, on the coffee end of it. And so I started messing with it. And like four years later, I finally had a coffee that I liked the way it tasted. And one of my friends was over here and he says, and we used to do a men's Bible study at the house. And he's like, you know, this is like a business, man. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, this is like a business in, in, in holding, man. I mean, every time we get together for Bible study, we drink coffee every single time. And everybody here, but you know, they want you to make them coffee now because the coffee you're making is better than what we're getting in town. And so um, it was still kind of like, I was like, yeah, okay, maybe. So I got on Wix, I bought a website, I bought a domain. Um, the name Third Day Coffee Seguin comes from Luke 24 and 46 that says, and the Christ will suffer and die and on the third day rise again. And so we went down to the courthouse and I did a DBA and I, and I did a website with, with, a, with a, like a Shopify page, a, a store. And so at that point in time, we were giving more coffee away than we were selling. You know, it was, I was still at the point where like, man, you got to drink my coffee. You got to, you got to drink my coffee, just try it. And it wasn't a real business. And so, um, the more the local community, we started get the word getting out. And then uh, I joined the Vetpreneur tribe uh, in 2017 or somewhere around there, 2018 uh, on Facebook, you know, 15,000 veteran entrepreneurs. Right. And um, I was kind of like still dabbling with it. I wasn't sure yet. And then I took a class, a marketing class with a guy named Justin Charpentier and a uh, guy's a marketing genius. And he taught me like all the tools that I needed to have to turn my hobby into a business. And so I started doing some things. I started selling coffee and, uh, and it was still, it was still pretty much a hobby because I made way too much money working for the government to, to leave. Um, but the environment was really rough. So we started praying about a way to get out of it. Through that prayer, I met a guy named Ashley Williams who owns a coffee farm in Honduras and uh, Legacy Farms Coffee. And so he's, he, he reached out, and, and this is what his words were. He says, I know you don't know me, but I've been praying about, you know, direction, and I'm, I feel like I'm being led to help you with whatever it is you're doing. And he goes, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but 
are you are you in the coffee business? And I go, well, yeah, sort of. You know, I'm I'm trying to you know figure this all out. He says, well, I'm going to help you uh, until you get your feet on the ground. And so uh, I started using mostly his coffee, uh, which is from Honduras. Um, and it's direct trade. It's from a single farm. Literally, it's from crop to cup. There's no middleman. There's nobody putting stuff in the coffee. It's all organic uh, and, and whatnot. And so um, right about that time, we ordered the red machine that you see in the background uh, from a company out of uh, Oklahoma City called uh, U.S. Roasters Corp. Um, and they, they custom built that and you can't see it, but on the, if you're looking at it, it's on the left side, there's a little box there where I, where I put wood in it. And so it still uses the mesquite. I didn't have to lose the mesquite going to a commercial roaster. And so we, uh, we took possession of this thing in April and they shut the country down in May. And so for the pandemic, uh, and that was what, two years ago, year before last whatever it was. And so my worst nightmares, I financed that thing with my, with my retirement. And my worst nightmare was like, oh my God, you know, what am I going to do now? And so, and then all of a sudden my website starts blowing up and um, I'm like, man, what is going on here? Well, everybody was at home all of a sudden. Right. Doing the pandemic. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was shut down. So they still got to get their coffee fits. And so people started, you know, Google searching veteran owned, you know, Christian owned, uh, and our company was popping up. And so it, it made the, the decision pretty easy uh, to start the process of how am I going to, what's my exit strategy for work, you know, and how am I going to get the business, you know, completely off the ground. And so we, I put in my papers at work and I said, listen, uh, you guys got me till February. And then, you know, at the end of February, I'm going to leave. Want to support an active duty owned brand? Head over to Fortis-Fidelis.com. Again, that's Fortis-Fidelis.com and help us in honoring the brave and faithful service of our nation's defenders. All proceeds will help us create and provide memorial coins to the families of our fallen service members. Again, that's Fortis-Fidelis.com and help Fortiset Fidelis in honoring the brave and faithful. And, uh, and that's exactly what we did. <laughs> it was kind of crazy, but... So you just, you just transitioned out of that, uh, government job, uh, recently. Yeah. February, the the last uh, February 28th, uh, of 2021. Oh, just, just this past year, but you've, you've had, you've had the coffee company before that, correct? Like you, you started. Yeah. Since I've had it since 2019. Okay. But it was, it was more of a hobby. Right. Right. You know? You know, like, you know, when you hit 50, you got to go through that. I'm going to go buy a Harley thing. And uh, <laughs> Yours was that's coffee. my Harley. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's my Harley Davidson back there. So, I mean, that's, that's great, man. Uh, you know, the success you've had even during the, uh, the pandemic, right. You, you mentioned there was a demand for coffee and, and basically, 
you know, what you can, your brand, what you stood for, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, pro God, pro country, and um, obviously good coffee <laughs> the, yeah. really helps. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of cof- coffee companies, coffee brands out there, um, you know, just talking about some of the experiences you've had since you started, what are some of the difficulties you've had? You know, obviously with the other coffee brands out there, what's some of the um, difficulties or um, obstacles that you face since you started uh, this, this, this brand? I think probably the biggest, uh, you know, is that there's, I mean, if, if you look at the largest, I would say they're probably the second largest coffee company in the United States, you know, Black Rifle. And they're, they're veteran owned, you know, and, and just in the last couple of years, it seems like they can't keep themselves out of controversy. Uh, and, and I don't pay attention to it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, those are my brothers that own that company. I actually had a subscription to them uh, for two or three years. That's pretty much all I drank besides my coffee was Black Rifle. I drank it all the time. Uh, I still have all, all over my cups and things like that. I've got their stickers, their branding. Uh, and I support them because they're veteran owned. And then there's so many coffee companies out there. And what I've learned is that some of the veterans will not help you. They will not like, they're so worried about losing part of their market, you know. But by the same token, I've met other veterans, you know, who have successful coffee businesses, more successful than I am right now. And they're like, hey, man, whatever you need, let me help you, you know. And so, you know, part of that is like, who do you trust, you know, and who do you, <laughs> yeah. you, know, who do you lean on? Who do you ask for help? Uh, because, some, you know, sometimes, you know, if you ask them the wrong person, you know, you, they can exploit it. And I hate to say that about our own people. But, you know, fact of the matter is, is not every veteran is a really good person, you know. And uh, I know you've met them. I know I've met them. And so, uh, you know, some of them are out there for themselves, but I think one of the beautiful things about the Vet Penor tribe, that uh, the majority of the people in that group are really there to help one another. And so um, I've used that group. I joined the uh, mastermind of that group called the Warrior Council. Uh, there's about a hundred of us in the Warrior Council and there's like three or four coffee companies in there, you know, yeah. but we help each other. You know, you, you, you'll hear me advertise Coffin Coffee Company owned by a former ranger, uh, Soldier Girl Coffee Company, you know, owned by a female veteran. Uh, the uh, Pale Horse, uh, that guy's a retired Coast Guard chief uh, in Virginia, um, you know, and, and I support all those coffee companies because they're, they're brothers and sisters. And, uh, and they're, they're, you know, the coffee industry, man, people don't understand this. In the United States, 380 million Americans, 86% of the American population drinks coffee. Mm-hmm. Of that 86%, like 68.9% drink more than a cup a day. So you're looking at a, you know, a huge, huge, I mean, it's more than three quarters of the population drinks coffee. Right, right. Uh, I'm not going to step on anybody's toes, you know. And nobody's going to step on my toes. And, and one of the things I, I will tell you that's been interesting recently is people have been reaching out and telling me, hey, I had a subscription with so-and-so and I ended it because uh, we really like what you stand for, you know? And so 
Um, you know, and I've had people too, by the same token, I've had people tell me, hey, man, you really shouldn't put God out in front of your country, in front of your company, you know, because you're going to alienate people. And I'm like, I'm not going to alienate anybody. But if somebody doesn't want to buy my coffee because I put God first, then don't buy my coffee. Yeah, I you think know? the most important thing is like, you have to find your niche, you have to find your target audience. And like you said, like, you know, the stats that you put out, like, there's a market for everybody. Um, you know, you're not going to attract a certain type of people, but you, and in another way, you're, you will attract those, those people are all about, you know, um, God and, and country and, and things like that. Uh, so I think it's important just for any brand, no matter what you're in coffee, whatever business you're in, right. You have to find that, that niche and that target audience and, and find a way to just speak to them. And, you know, you'll have loyal customers uh, along the way. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, you know, it, you know, it's funny too, like our podcast is called God Country Coffee. And uh, I saw that on a um, coffee mug on Facebook, I think. So I went to the U.S. Patent and Trademarks and I searched and I looked and I looked and I looked, tried to see if somebody had already trademarked that name. And so it wasn't trademarked. And so I talked to a friend that's an attorney that does trademark, you know, he does um, intellectual property law. And, and he's like, man, because I've, I've looked at two and it, it's nowhere. I mean, it's, if you want to use it, use it. And so uh, we started, you know, we started using that a couple of years ago, actually about two years ago. And recently at my church, we have a guy who's in the, in the army national guard, he's active and he's doing this thing called constitutional live. And, uh, it's a study of the Constitution, the way it was written and amended, but not the way it was interpreted by the courts. So it's basically the, the original intent of the Constitution and the amendments that followed. And um, one of the most interesting facts that I've, we found out on day one is what the public school systems were, were designed for. The public school systems were designed by, by one of the framers of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And it was, it was set up for three things. It was to teach people to love and serve God, love and serve their country, and love and serve their family. Mm. And so when he said that, I started laughing at all. I was like, holy mackerel. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what, you know, the principles about my coffee company, you know, it's God first, country, and then, and then family, you know, coffee for me is, is what my family, you know, is all about. And, and, you know, People don't, they say, well, that's, you know, you can't put your family in front of your country. Well, if we don't take care of our country, what kind of life is our family going to have, right? I mean, it's why right. most of us join the service to protect the, the liberties and the freedoms that we have. And so, uh, you know, it just fits perfectly, you know, with our, with our mission, you know, God first, you know, our country, and then, and then everything else falls in behind that. Um, so, so Jose, uh, for those of you just listening in, talking to Jose Alanis of Third Day Coffee Segwin, Jose, what would be like some of the most rewarding moments or experiences you've had since you started your, your, um, this coffee brand? I, I would tell you that, uh, that, you know, finding purpose, um, the people that God put in my life, like Ashley, we ended up getting to go to Honduras uh, back in May. And uh, it was a total God thing. It was kind of funny because 
um, Ashley kept telling me and my wife that we were going to go to Honduras in May. And I was like, bro, I'm, I'm leaving my job in February. We're not going anywhere in May, you know, just not going to have, we're not going to have the money. I'm going to be broke. It's going to be terrible. Uh, and so I said, we, we, there's no way we can do that. But I told him, I said, literally, God makes a way we'll go. And so Ashley kept saying this so much that my wife started saying, telling other people, oh yeah, well, we're, we're going down to Honduras in May. And I was like, Hey, you know, I'm not, I don't have a job, right. You know, I'm not working right now. I mean, I have a job, but I mean, the whole plan was to take every penny that we made the first year, maybe the first two years and just keep reinvesting it, right. you know, into the business until we built it up. And I had enough. I took my retirement out, all my retirement that I had uh, to do this. And so I budgeted each year. I had exact amounts for each year that I will not go over, uh, to make sure that I've got, you know, my funding for next year and the year after. And so um, something happened with, I can't remember, was something, somebody owed us money. They, there was a, a mistake on, I want to say it was my VA stuff. Um, and I ended up getting a check for like six grand. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, well, I mean, God made a way, let's go. And so we went to Honduras and, um, I've never been, I know a lot of military guys, especially guys have been deployed. Uh, I never got deployed. I was always stateside uh, or in Canada or in Mexico, uh, but never really went overseas. And so I'd never been to a third world country before. And when we got to the mountains in Honduras where Ashley's farm is, I had never in my life seen people so poor and so destitute. Like they, a lot of them, don't have sanitation. They have a hole in the ground in their hut. Mm. And when it fills up, they get a bucket, they go in there, scoop it out, throw it down the side of the mountain and start over. Uh, most of them don't have showers. Uh, some of them don't have running water. A lot of them don't have electricity. And so it's kind of hard to fathom, you know, these are first world things that we don't ever think about. Yeah. We take for granted. Yeah. And so I met these people, these amazing people from the, you know, the country, uh, from the little town, the top of the mountain that they lived in. And um, we had, uh, we have, our company donates a dollar from every bag of Isaiah that we sell. We donate a dollar to Ashley's nonprofit. We've been doing that since before we went to Honduras. Another dollar goes to an organization called Combat Marine Outdoors. And they take our wounded veterans hunting and fishing all over the world. So we were already giving money to these two organizations, but the, the combat Marine, I just give them money. I send a check whenever I, I get four or $500. I just send them a check and I get a letter, thank you letter, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm just, I want to help support that mission because I believe in it. Right. But we really got vested in Ashley's because we ended up going to there, you know? And so when we went, my wife and I, you know, we had a, a, a number amount of money that we were going to take with us from the business. And we were going to leave all that money in Honduras, whether we gave it away, whether we bought stuff with it for the locals, whether we, you know, whatever we were going to do, we were going to leave that, that money there. And so part of it was we were donating money because they're building a church uh, in the community there. Ashley's building a church. And so we helped with that. And then uh, this one kid, his name is uh, Jose Santos Vasquez. And his company is, he's called Finca Santos. That's his coffee company. Mm. And so we paid for him to plant. He just, he was able with Ashley helping him. 
he was able to purchase this small micro farm and Ashley helps him do the coffee. And then he puts it on his containers because they have no way of getting it out of the country. Uh, and then he brings it over here so he can get the American price for it. So 150 pounds of coffee in the United States runs about $750. But all the big name companies, the big name companies go down there and they pay the locals $20 for the same bag of coffee wow. because they're so poor and they have no way of getting their coffee out of the country, you know, and the average wage down there is $1,400 a year for a family of five. So they'll take $20 for a bag of coffee. And so uh, we, we sat there on the side of this mountain uh, and, and I'm, you know, I'm just now trying to get my fitness scored away, but you know, 390 pounds on a five foot seven frame. And I wanted to go down there on the side of the mountain where they were. And so it took me a little doing, it was pretty scary. Uh, but I got down to where they were at and, and I talking to this kid, you know, so passionate about growing coffee because he didn't know anything else at all. We were able to pay for all the plants on his, on his new micro farm. I got to actually put some of the coffee in the ground mm -hmm. uh, with my own hands. It's pretty funny because I have a picture where I'm kneeling down and I'm putting this plant in the ground. What I didn't know is like 15 feet behind me, there was a 2000 foot drop. <laughs> and so uh, I'm pretty sure I probably wouldn't have gone all the way down there if I'd have known that, you know, if I'd have slipped a little bit, I would have gone and probably taken a couple of trees out on the way. But uh, just doing that and then making a deal with that kid, um, tell him, you know, like Ashley told him, I said, listen, let's make a deal. Let's set a price of what I'm going to pay for his coffee but I want to be exclusive. I want to be the only guy in the world that carries Finca Santos. And the only question he had is what is, why does this guy want to help me? He doesn't even know me, right. you know, and, but that's the mindset. Like they don't know anything outside of the tiny little speck of, you know, life that they've grown up in. And so that was probably a, you know, if I wasn't a thousand percent on board with what I was doing with Ashley's, nonprofit and with the coffee business uh, that pretty much like just 100% solidified everything. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that, that we were going to help these people, you know, however we had to. And yes, I'm, I was the worst person in the world before I met these people to say, well, listen, you know, everybody's trying to get money out of you for the, for the poor and the hungry. We, well, we have hungry right here in our, in our backyard. How come we're not helping these people, you know, in San Antonio or, helping these people in Austin, you know, well, we are, there's organizations that do that. Right. Right. Uh, but those people can't help themselves at all. And so without reinventing the wheel, I just knew that, and there was a lot of prayer involved, man. So I, I knew exactly that that's what God wanted me to do. You know, nothing that we have, the money we have, the land that we live on, none of this stuff belongs to us anyway. It's all God's. And, and my job is to glorify God with everything that he's given me. You know, he's made me steward over things and it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. And so it was a, it was a pretty gratifying, it was a very humbling moment uh, to be in the presence of these people who literally, I mean, literally had nothing. Uh, and, and to be able to impact, you know, the whole thing is that Ashley's mission is he's like, 
if I die tomorrow, this guy, Jose, he knows you now. He's got a way to contact you. Right. He knows that you're going to continue to buy his coffee. So if I die tomorrow, he doesn't, his life doesn't have to go back to trying to scrape, you know, 150 pounds for $20, you know, he's got somebody in the United States that's going to pay full price for it. Um, you know, and, and, and he'll be able to improve the life of his family. And so I, I have to say, that's probably the one thing that has been most gratifying uh, since we started the coffee business. That's a great story, man. And a great way to contribute, not just to, um, you know, Jose, but also like you just mentioned, right to his family and his, uh, um, his, his kids and, and, and things like that. So, um, wow. Awesome story. Um, Jose. So before we go into our second segment here, one last question. Um, what's one thing you want our listeners to take away from this episode? Ooh, that's tough. Cause, uh, I would tell you, um, our primary mission with third day coffee Saguenay is to share the gospel of Christ. So if you don't have a relationship, if, if, if you're struggling and you don't know why reach out, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, you know, and it's never been about the coffee. The coffee is the vehicle, right? That's, that's mm. the car that I'm going to use to get what God wants me to get from here to there. So yeah, the more that you support us, um, the way it was cleared in my head was this, if I, if I work really hard with the coffee business and at the end of the month, I make $10 over what my expenses are, how much mission can I do? Not very much. If I make, you know, a thousand dollars over my expenses at the end of the month, how much mission can I do? Well, now I can do a little bit more. All right. So I'm not greedy. I, I don't, I don't want to be, because again, it's not my money anyway, you know? Right. And so, but I tell people all the time, you know, inside of three years, I want to be as big as Black Rifle. Because I know that if I get that big, we can build homes down there. We can make sure that people have food, make sure they have sanitation, electrical. And so, and, and that's how I see, you know, impacting the world around us. That's a great message, man. And um, hopefully, you know, people take you up on that offer. Obviously, uh, we'll mention it later on, but, um, you know, where they can find your coffee and how they can order. Um, so, Jose, going into our second segment here, this is what I call the fast five. This same five questions I ask all my guests. Are you ready? All right. All right. First question. What's one hobby you enjoy? Uh, hunting with my bow. Okay. Archery. Archery. Okay. Second question. If you had to choose one person to hang out with for one day, who would it be and why? My dad. Because he's not here. Hmm. Next question, Jose. Recommend a book for our audience to read. Ooh, I would tell you that the, probably one of the most impactful books I've read uh, is the Bible. And besides that one, I would tell you that the, uh, uh, if you haven't read The Humble Alpha uh, by Steve uh, Kuhn and Lane Ballone, uh, two former army, uh, that's an incredible book for business. Next question. What's your favorite quote 
and why? Ooh. I think Harry Truman is probably, uh, you know, he, he said so many different things that, that were so, but I think when I think, I don't know if it's so much of a quote, but I know that he, they asked him years, you know, after, after he was president, um, what he felt about dropping the atomic bomb. Hmm. And he said, I've, I've not lost any sleep over it. He says the lives that we saved making that decision you know, outweighed, you know, the risk and what we knew was going to happen. And so I would, you know, knowing what is the right thing to do and to do it, I guess, was the gist of his, of his, when he said that, uh, that quote that he had, but I would, I would tell you that it's probably that, that particular line from Harry Truman. All right. Now, last question, Jose, um, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but what do you see yourself in a year, five years or 10 years from now? So um, three years, I see, I hope that we're as big as Black Rifle. Uh, in five years, I hope to be bigger than them. Um, in, in 10 years, I hope that uh, we have the business so big that we have people running it and I can spend half my time in New Zealand and the other half of my time in Honduras helping the locals. Mm. Great vision, man. And um... You know, before we go, I, I appreciate I appreciate you, Jose, for uh, taking the time and sharing your story, and you know, telling us a little bit about um, your coffee company, Third Day Coffee Segwin. Uh, I love your your uh, your motto here: Rise with us, right? Rise with us. And um, you know, before we go, Jose, can you uh, can you share with our audience where they can support you, where they can find out more information about your coffee company, and where they can order? Absolutely. So we're on Facebook under Third Day Coffee Seguin. That's S-E-G-U-I-N. Um, we have a YouTube channel, Third Day Coffee Seguin. We're on Instagram, Third Day Coffee Seguin. Uh, we're on TikTok, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, um, you name it, Facebook. We have two Facebook pages. We have our page for Third Day Coffee Seguin, and then we have our God Country Coffee podcast. And so if you look up on YouTube, if you look up God Country Coffee, we're also, our podcast is also on all the, you can go to Amazon, you can go to Apple, uh, pause or whatever it's called, Google podcasts. Uh, we're on Stitcher and Spotify and, and NPR. We're on all the normal uh, places that you, that you would normally listen to your podcast. Uh, and we air every Friday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, and uh, the next three guests that we're going to have are, are going to be pretty awesome. Uh, we have a pastor who is a former, uh, he's an Army veteran, uh, blew his knee out uh, during AIT and, uh, and, and, you know, heeded his calling to Christ. And then we have a 27-year uh, Air Force retiree uh, that is a uh, men's pastor. Uh, the following week and then the 17th we have uh, the guy that holds the class for constitution alive and uh and wall builders and so he's going to be here with us and so uh yeah you can catch us on youtube i go live on my personal page okay i go live on my um on my god country coffee page and we go live on youtube we use those three platforms every time we go live 
So it's not hard to find us. Just make sure you type in the Seguin after the third day coffee, because there is a third day coffee in the UK. There's a, after we opened up ours, there's now there's a third day coffee roasters in Colorado. There's a third day coffee roastery uh, in Ohio. And so as long as you put Seguin at the end of it, uh, you'll, you'll find us. Awesome, man. So guys and gals, just make sure you go out and support uh, Third Day Coffee Seguin uh, and all the social media platforms. Uh, go check out his podcast, God Country Coffee Podcast. And uh, Jose, thank you again for sharing your story and uh, hopefully talk to you soon, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And uh, I, I, you've, I think we've got you signed up also. So I'm looking oh, yeah, forward to that. Looking forward so, to it. I really appreciate it, man. All right, brother. Take care. All right. God bless. Hey, everyone. Raiden here. I just want to thank you for listening to our podcast. And make sure you guys go check out our website, fortist-fidelis.com. Again, that's fortist-fidelis.com. And learn how you can help us support in providing these memorial coins to the families of the fallen and make sure you guys go follow our social media on facebook frts fdls again that's frts fdls and on instagram and twitter at frts underscore fdls again that's frts underscore fdls and make sure you guys go subscribe review and leave a comment on our podcast on all the podcast platforms till then take care